That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, Jake, you've got that post sabbatical glow about you. You're positively radiant. Uh, you look a little bit like Moses after coming down off of Mount Sinai, meeting with the Lord, glowing. Uh, or is that just the Manhattan afternoon sun? Uh, no, face? that's my base tan. I've been working all summer uh-huh. on it, beginning in May. And uh, and so now it's at it's at high peak. But remember, it is a farmer's tan. So, you know, it is only the <laughs> arms, elbow down and the neck up. Other than that, it is pasty white, as always. So... But no, uh, we are here and we're recording, and if this episode dropped on July 25th, uh, we are celebrating, if you are a part of the church, we are celebrating the feast day of St. James the the Great, the disciple of Jesus, and uh, the uh, apostle of Spain, as they say. So, and I just finished walking that Camino, that's why I'm so perfectly tan from the neck up. And we're recording on the feast day of Saints Peter and Paul, even though they had profound disagreements occasionally in life. Uh, they, the church was like, you guys get to share the same feast days, so you just work that out. Just, uh, just we're putting you in a room together. Yep, that's, right. that's right. Keys so, and sword. Uh, the Keys real question, though, Jake, now that you're sort of back and you're going, you're sort of going on another chunk of your mm. sabbatical after uh, this week. You've kind of come up for air, doing a little work, make save the souls, and all that sort of stuff at Calvary St. George's, and then you're going back under the cone of silence <laughs> and into Mexico. That's right. uh, I like how you're starting at like one. You're starting at like the imperial power, and you're going now to the colonies, deep Mexico, to see how it's all working out. Uh, all of that. Thank you, Queen Isabella of Spain. But. Um, uh, I'm grateful that you're taking time out of your time off mm-hmm. to keep this going, and I'm sure on behalf of our listeners, they're grateful too. <clears throat> yeah, you know, I just want to say, like, uh, you know, that that walk, and this is something to share, especially because we have so many pastors who listen, is that that was the first time for three weeks I did not check email at all. And I made it perfectly clear I'm gone from the 5th to the 25th. And if anybody sent me an email during that time, I just deleted it when I came back. And uh, it has been so refreshing because it reminds, I mean, I think as a pastor, so often we get, you know, we talk about justification and all, it's all about Jesus, but really deep down subconsciously, we think it's all about us and that God can't do it without us. And to really detach in that way is a very powerful, powerful experience. And it reminds you that God is in control of his church. And, um, and as Abraham Heschel says in his book, The Sabbath, we're not that needed. And, uh, you know, I mean, he's got a purpose for us, but at the end of the day, he's at work despite ourselves. And that was really a powerful moment for me. And, uh, and I think a real truth that uh, I'm still processing, but uh, is very important to remember. I think on a profound level, we're all, we all may be, you know, functioning justification by grace kind of Protestants, but a lot of us are, or, you know, we believe it in our hearts and in our heads, but we're functioning, um, we're functioning semi-Pelagians. And, um, 
And uh, God does not need us for the renewal of all things, you know, and he's not interested in a partnership. He's interested in using us as vessels and tools for the sake of his kingdom and his glory. And uh, it's important for us to know when, because we're mortal, when we need to rest. But that's, um, you know, and it kind of ties into our readings today a Absolutely. little bit. Absolutely, more than a little. I was going to say that's like today, a perfect segue. Yeah. But yeah, tell them, tell them what, the, tell I them. Oh, dang, dude, look at the Holy Spirit at work right here, and look we didn't even that. know it. And so, but our readings today are from Ecclesiastes, a, a whole plethora of verses and chapters. And then we jump into Colossians chapter 3, and then we look at uh, Luke chapter 12, verses 13 to 21. Yep, and I will say, I, I recently read some of our reviews on uh, Apple Podcasts, and someone uh, lovingly in Jesus spoke the truth to me in love and is not a huge fan of my attempts to make Jacob Smith laugh and uh, my... My my mm, well. humorous remarks. So just be glad you don't have Ben Madison as the co-host of this podcast because it would be way worse. <laughs> yeah, but I'll be I'll be trying to rein it in a little bit. Um, uh, no, don't, don't okay. Aaron. You bring me such All right, joy. See reviewer, yeah, uh, joy. even if you don't like it, Jacob no, Smith it's does. Good. It's his love language. Okay, so yeah, we're on track mm. too. So to your point about realizing coming back to your parish after the first chunk of your sabbatical this summer and realizing that it's still standing and doesn't apparently need you as much as you thought it does or um, that it can continue without you. At least we can mm. say that in your statement about being off of email and the world kept on spinning and all that. This passage from Ecclesiastes, this is part of the wisdom literature of Scripture. And this uh, person held to be a, either King Solomon or somebody in Solomon's court by many is reflecting at the end of life on what really matters. And this person who's known as the teacher, and he says, when I was king over Israel mm. and Jerusalem, which is why this is attributed to Solomon, um, and this sort of n- wisdom theme again, um, it's, it, this person is, is speaking some kind of what they call brutal truth, uh, not sugarcoating it whatsoever. It is an unhappy business that God has given to human beings to be busy with. And basically says everything is vanity, chasing after the wind. I think all the time about Paul Zoll who would preach or teach and he would say things uh, along the lines of nobody on their deathbed is ever like, man, I wish the Cubs had won the World Series a few more times, or I wish Alabama yeah. had been national champs uh, a few more times, or I wish my team, who's an underdog and never won, I wish they'd won. Like, all the things we spend a lot of time thinking about on Earth, and uh, a lot of times it's our career. Even Zoom yeah, meetings. Yeah, and I was like, I mean, man, I wish I had more of those. If only I had made that last Zoom meeting instead of spending that time yeah. with my son. You know, if, you know, I mean, it's, yeah. It is all chasing after the wind, ultimately, even your ministry. I mean, this is like the cold, hard truth of this particular passage, is that um, even your ministry is chasing after the wind. And so, and what's going to eventually happen, so you're there and you're like working on your killer sermon and all of that. I mean, this is really like kind of a pastor's pastor episode. But like, there you are and you've spent like, you know, 20,000 hours on your sermon or whatever. And uh, please, at least spend like please a actually of hours. do care. Gosh, please, I mean, I mean, yeah, do care on that. But you know, but don't forget, it's also vanity, and uh, you know, and you're going to do all this great stuff for your church, and then someone's going to come along and mess it all up after you, 
And uh, I mean, but what? How how do you preach the gospel in this particular passage, Aaron? What do you what do you so think about that? I think, in that? a sense, there's an immense freedom from this, and I think as Americans in particular, who do define ourselves by our job, probably more than any culture currently on the planet, mm. I think there's a freedom that comes from really, really grasping a hold of this reality that what you do in your profession, while it, I mean, again, it it it's not that it doesn't matter. If you're a pediatrician treating a child with a fever, yes, that matters. If you are a pastor who's counseling somebody yeah. who is in a despair, that matters. And if you are a mechanic who can repair the broken oil pump of a fire truck, that matters. Like, and there's lots of, you know, if you're a teacher, all, like it's not saying that it is meaningless, but um, the kind of busyness of human beings, the way we stake our identity in these things, um, that's that's right. what is that's meaningless. Right. And, you know, uh, everything, basically, I think that the passage is trying to get you to realize that everything eventually falls and fails. Somebody told me that they, uh, that it was a comedian or something, said that they spend some time, if they want to realize, it was Pete Holmes maybe? So they go on YouTube and they watch old clips. You, I just was doing these the other day, actually, because it came up in my little YouTube feed. It was, they say they go watch old footage from cities, like early film from the early 1900s. So this was this happened to be a reel of San Francisco in 1906. And this person said, this comedian said, whenever I, I, I go and I look at that and I just look at every person I see on that film and I think every, every person, that, whatever they thought mattered on the day that that film was shot, doesn't matter at all anymore. And just sort of helps put things in perspective. Mm. And so it allows, you can care as the Mockingbird magazine with that T.S. Eliot quote, to care and not to care. Like you can care about what's in front of you, realizing that it doesn't necessarily define you and have ultimate significance and it will pass away. Everything is passing away, which Jesus himself talks about. He says that this connects directly to his statement about the temple, like what great stones are built on top of each other. And he says, yeah, not a single one is going to be left standing. And I think realizing that the temple, the temporary nature of all human existence frees you from a lot of the things that you actually worry about. I've just come through a season at work that had a lot of worries, and we sort of come on the other side of it, at least some of the things. And I every this happens every time I go through a season of worries because they come in sort of packets. And I look back at that and I say that nothing, none of my worry actually impacted any of the things. <laughs> And so I think, how does this connect to Christ? I think Jesus himself, as I said, teaches on this, that the temple will be torn down <laughs> and that there's sort of a lot of things on, on, in our present existence which doesn't really matter. And this passage to me, I think, can free you from that to what's actually really important. Um, and it's also a statement of our lack of control over anything, which Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, who of you by worrying can, um, you know, add a single year to his life or can you know, you can't, you basically, you can't, you're not in control of anything. That's what this passage is saying. That's what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. Mm -hmm. And that's why we can rest and, um, and do things like you did, which was not check email for three weeks. Yeah. And I think too, you know, there's, I mean, so this is a, on a profound level, I mean, uh, a description of, of Jesus's life, you know, and, uh, and the way the world actually sees it. I can't help but think about that uh, song by System of a Down, uh, "Self-Righteous Suicide," and uh, I mean, literally, it's a mockery of 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 Christ on the cross, you know. And um, um, and uh, but he says, "So I t turned and gave my heart up to despair concerning all the toils of my labor under the sun." 
And here's the, here's the crutch. Because sometimes one who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave all to be enjoyed by another who did not toil for it. Right, uh, which is at that's Jesus you at the end of me. his life. <laughs> that's right. Right, and, and, and pre-resurrection, that's Jesus at the end of his life. He's, and we, all of his followers scattered and he accomplished nothing. Yeah, and it appears, and from the world's eyes, it appears to be a self-righteous suicide. Uh, that is that is the that is the theme of System and Down song on this, uh, but the truth is is that um, this is the um, the one act of unvanity. This is the one act of total humility, <coughs> unlike unlike us, because he is indeed the King of Glory, who has taken on humanity. He's the King of Glory who's taken on shame in order that you and I, who are so consumed with justifying ourselves and plugged into a self-righteous suicide, um, actually reap the benefits of his tremendous, tremendous gift. I will say there's also something here which I think just helps your congregation and maybe your self-pastor feel seen mm. and understood by God. Yes. Because there is, you know, again, I the two blessed to be stressed t-shirts and baseball caps out there, uh, that is what's known as denial and... Uh, I mean, I, I get what people are saying. And yes, you can acknowledge the blessing of God in the midst of pain. But if people are using that in a way to say, I have no problems, and uh, it's sort of a way of just plugging your ears and just singing so you don't have to deal with the realities of life, um, that's not healthy. And what the scripture allows you to do is to call a thing what it actually is. And so Ecclesiastes here says that about human beings, their days are full of pain, their work is a vexation, and even at night their minds do not rest. I mean, this passage is a description of Jacob Smith <laughs> and Aaron Zimmerman and everybody else. Like, we all have that racing mind at night. We have the feeling like, this work, I like some of it, but some of it's really hard. And why is it so hard? And why does it have to be so challenging? And uh, so, anyways, this this calls a spade a spade. It names a thing uh, as it is, which means it's speaking about reality, which is that's where God dwells. And so, this, to me, also gives import to the incarnation. Jesus Christ, as somebody who spent most of his life on earth working at a really hard job, um, knew what it was like to um, experience these things. That's the fullness of the incarnation. And, of course, he redeems us in it. So, Amen. that's all I want to say about that. And, and, and I think we can... Yeah, go ahead. Well, that becomes the lens by which to understand Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. Because immediately what happens with Colossians chapter 3 is that people focus in on the if... And they then forget that um, this, the if you have been raised yes, with Christ, and uh, they're like, and they they misunderstand this completely. Paul is not speaking prescriptively here. This is a profound description of who you are in light of the other two chapters in Jesus Christ. You have been raised because remember in chapter one he says you've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light and so that informs chapter three and so this is a description this is who you are you know it's not uh, what you need to do so be who you are yeah and so this is a passage that also it says seek the things that are above and where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And many people think of that as, I must only think about Jesus all the time. Mm -hmm. And if I think about things that are not Jesus, uh, then clearly I'm not a good Christian. And so I just got to try to think real hard. Just yeah. think about Jesus all the time. And seek the things that are above. What that is saying is kind of come, it's it's again, it's, it's, it's just 
Jesus is teaching about what is the work of the, like, how do we do the work of him who sent me? It's to just believe in the one he has sent. Mm. That's from the Gospel of John. Um, seeking the things are, that are above is seeking again the gospel, seeking again the word that you are declared righteous in Christ, seeking the the gift of his righteousness for you. The, the things that are above, that's the gospel. It's the Amen. word of grace. Uh, the things that are earthly are, are it's the law. It's mm-hmm. uh, do this in order to be loved, perform more in order to be worthy, all of that sort of stuff. And Which, G- Jesus says, your life is hidden with Christ and God, meaning your life is not your resume, it's not your pedigree, it's not your report card, it's not your achievements, your life is not all the things, it's not your BMI, and it's not your number of friends, and it's not your number of followers or whatever. Your life is hidden with Christ in God, and you can sort of rest in that. It's, a, it's sealed up, it's sewn up, it's a done deal, and uh, you're just somebody who now can... can arrest in that. So this combined with Ecclesiastes, like realize the sort of ultimate futility and brevity of life, the things we build and accomplish, they are meaningful, like a like a butterfly is meaningful and beautiful, but that butterfly is not going to last very long. Um, but when we, and, yeah, and, but when we, but you know that your life, but Christ has, has you in his grip. So it's kind of those things together is very freeing. That's all I want to say. What are you going to say, Jake? Yeah. And when we put, when we, when we put all our eggs in those things, then we can't help but categorize people. And mm. uh, this, is, this is the end of what Paul is talking about, is the category, you know what I mean? And I see we're, we're in the middle of vacation Bible school. We call it creative arts camp here in New York because we're hip and cool. But, um, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, we, but I see it right from the beginning with the little kids. You know, they're like starting to categorize each other. Who's cool, who's not, you know what I mean? And, uh, and when we put all of our, even as adults, when we put all of our weight into these different things that we're doing, we can't help but categorize Greek and Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, productive, unproductive, you know, successful, unsuccessful, cool, uncool. And, uh, and uh, Paul is saying, no, enough is enough. Uh, Christ is all and in all. And so therefore, you know, when it comes down to it, you know, you've either been raised with Christ or you haven't. Uh, There is the redeemed and the unredeemed. That's the only category. And uh, our goal is to preach the gospel and treat everyone as if they've been redeemed. Yeah. And, you know, this passage, again, can be read as a to-do list to make God happy. Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, online gaming and betting, evil desire and greed. Uh, whatever these things are, and I, th- I think it's important to remember that he's speaking to people who are already Christians, who are in Christ, and he's also speaking as someone who knows that this is a process that happens over time, yes. um, and he also, at the end of this passage, talks about the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. So this is an ongoing process that is the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Again, you got to read Paul as a whole, and you got to keep in mind where he says that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion, which he says in, I think it is it Philippians or Ephesians. Mm-hmm. But so this is, um, this is Paul, like you said, <laughs> describing what it looks like as you continue in your life with Christ, knowing that you are forgiven, knowing that you can't make God love you any more than he already does, knowing that you are in Christ. And so what that looks like in the power of the Holy Spirit is an ongoing process of the spirit working out in you this putting to death of all these different things um, and I think uh, what's what's interesting to me about these things is that most of the things he mentions are not actions but attitudes 
Fornication, that's an action. Abusive language, that's an action. But most of these things are just attitudes, emotions, and feelings. Uh, Passion, evil desire, greed, sort of wanting things that you don't have. Anger, wrath, malice, slander. Uh, Slander, I guess, action. But a lot of these things, again, it's just the heart. So this is something that um, is the, again, this is what the Holy Spirit needs to do, is to change these things in your heart, which he says that's what, he is doing. He is renewing you in knowledge and according to the image of your creator. So this, and that's, so this, I think it's, I'm just kind of saying this, like, make sure you preach this as the work that the whole, this is a description of what the Holy Spirit does in you, not something that you can just tell your people, stop being angry, and they're going to stop being angry. Um, You want them to make sure, make sure they know that they are already redeemed, forgiven, and loved, and the you ask God to do this work by the power of the Holy Spirit in you to rid you of these things. Mm. That's great. So then we come to our uh, gospel reading, Luke chapter 12, verses 13 to 21. And it opens up with um, somebody coming to Jesus, thinking they're fairly clever, coming out of the crowd that's following Jesus. And uh, he wants Jesus to uh, be his judge, you know. And uh, indeed, as we confess in the creed, uh, he will come again to judge the living and the dead. But where does uh, this guy miss the point? Yeah, this is like the Judge Judy slash the People's Court mm-hmm. episode of uh, mm-hmm. Luke's Gospel, where he's got some sort of family inheritance issue. With, by the way, I just—I mean, this text is two thousand years old, but it's so amazing that this is just as much an issue today. Oh, and totally. this is this is why siblings hate each other because mom or dad dies, and there's some there's some discovery in the will. This stuff happens all the time. If you have ever seen a sibling fight after the death of a parent and the wit reading of the will, um, you know what I'm talking about. So that's what's going on here. I was, uh, I actually, um, I actually uh, was with a family and uh, talking to them and the inheritance, it was a, it was a crazy situation. And uh, I remember um, one uh, brother in a particular inheritance dispute was worried that another brother was going to get more. Mm. And I said, you know, and he was like, but you don't understand, Reverend. That guy will eat all the cherries in the bowl. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, right. And I was just like, I mean, I don't even know where to begin with this. This is out of my league. And so, but yeah, I mean, it is like uh, the living always trump the dead, as, as uh, Paul Zoll used to say, if you remember. And, um, and it is true. A lot of these things, if they're not settled, I mean, they become a huge, huge, scrappy fight. And so, and some yeah. things never change. Who gets who gets the ashes and all that sort of stuff? Uh, the the guy comes forward and basically tells Jesus to do what's fair and do what's right. You're clearly a religious authority, Jesus. You're doing all these miracles, and everybody thinks you're so great. So um, why don't you help me out? And this is often how we pray: like Jesus, fix my situation. Uh, and uh, he says, "Tell the brother, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me," which sounds like he just is standing up for fairness and justice, truth in the American way. But Jesus calls him out. First, he says, this is really not my uh, responsibility. And second, he says, take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Uh, one's life does not consist in the abundance of possession. So he checks this guy's motivation. He knows that he's <clears throat> pretending to ask out of an issue of sort of fairness slash justice. But and really, he's in line with this, Ecclesiastes. You are Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. He's saying you are really, we both know, this is about you just wanting more stuff. And Chasing after it's, the wind. Yeah. 
This is what, you know, Jesus is described in Scripture as someone who knows what's in the heart of a person. You know, and we say this at the beginning of our uh, service of Holy Communion in the Episcopal Church. To you, all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you, no secrets are hid. So, we see this right here. He's like, Jesus, be fair and split the inheritance with me. But really, the guy just, it's about his greed. And there's so many things like that in life where we say it's about some um, altruistic good-hearted motive or whatever, but really it's kind of about us. And um, Jesus just has this word of caution, like to just look at your motivation, look at your heart. Where is this coming from with you? And he does the same thing with this guy who, uh, well, he tells a parable to kind of illustrate like um, what is in the heart of people. Oh, I have a ton. I have a, I've had a great year. I got a huge bonus at, uh, you know, Morgan Stanley or whatever. Uh, my law practice had a great year or, or whatever the case may be. You, you work in Houston and oil prices through the roof, so, you know, everybody's going to be doing well uh, at the end of this year. Um, and the mentality of this guy is uh, I will pull down my barn, build larger ones, I'll store all my grain, and then I don't have to do anything for the rest of my life as opposed to, like, you know, taking care of other people or using your money to do good in the world. And so, again, Jesus is just calling out people to look at what's in their heart. And there's no, there's no, um, in this passage, there's no explicit description or uh, wording from Jesus about the gospel. There's no word of forgiveness or whatever. It is, in a sense, this passage functions as a word of law to help people recognize what is actually going on in the human heart. Again, we tend to think, we always tend to think, I'm basically a good person. Like, everybody could have that written on their tombstone. He was basically a good person. Um, and everybody sort of thinks that. But cool. Jesus says, actually, scratch it on the surface. So this is a passage that makes you realize your need for a Savior, which obviously we have. And that's why you need to point back to the passage in Colossians, where Christ has set us free from all these things. And uh, well, and you, you point to the what his work on the cross. And the truth is, is that like when we focus on stuff, you know, I mean, whether it be a car, whether it be a 401k, whether it be any of this stuff, these things ultimately become plans by which we think we're going to save ourselves. And, um, and then and that's all it is. We become totally obsessed with this. I, I talked about this um, a number of years back in a sermon, but <clears throat> when, I, when I, I bought my first car when I was like 24, and um, uh, like I totally bought it up, but I didn't buy like, you know, just a regular old car. I bought like a really, really fancy car on a youth minister's salary. And, um, and the truth is, is that when I bought that as some sort of kind of status symbol, because, you know, and oftentimes we do these things like 401ks or whatever it is as status symbols, because we think that's what will make us worth something, as opposed to realizing that Christ has made us worth something. But, you know, the truth is, is that's all I ultimately worried about when was the car. You know what I mean? I didn't worry about anything else. I mean, even my own... When my wife dented it, I was like super pissed, and um, and uh, because that was all that I was worried about. And you fool, your life is demanded of you tonight, and uh, and the truth is, is that all of these things are ultimately passing away. And when these things become your priority, you ultimately never wind up enjoying them. Uh, Jesus isn't saying anything here today, except remember that uh, he's the one who holds your life. And uh, he holds your life in a way that you cannot. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you'll also appear with him in glory. So until then, uh, remember your place. You're immortal. 
Remember your place. It's not up to you. So enjoy your work. Enjoy your food. Enjoy your beer. But remember, everything is a gift from God. And if you forget it, it's vanity. Uh, enjoy your beer is what the guy at the convenience store in Cambridge, Massachusetts used to tell every college <laughs> student who left that place. So you just That's quoted good. him. I do want to say, when I was uh, to your car story, um, I am not a good example, but this guy Cal, who I met in San Diego in the summer of 1998, is because I, in trying to impress Marla Stecky, Marla, if you're out there, shout out, trying to impress her, I tried to move Cal's car. She was washing it, and it was this new to him Toyota 4Runner, and we had to move Those it. Those were all the rage the... in the late 90s. Yeah, and I was trying to move it to get closer to the where the water was from the hose. And it was a stick, and I didn't know how to. I knew how to drive stick in theory, but not in practice. I was like, I can do this. This is fun. Marla will be impressed. And of course, I sideswiped this little pole that was there, and put a pretty noticeable dent. And Cal came, and I thought my life was over. And I was like, Cal, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, and uh, I think it, you know, it's still drivable. You can still open the door. He's like, What you do? So he comes over and he looks at the car. He's wearing like he he looks like Iggy Pop. He's like made. He looks like rawhide basically in in board shorts and flip flops. Mm. And he just opens the door, closes it, opens it again, closes it. See that it works fine. And he looks at me and he says, "Hey man, it's just material possessions. Don't worry about it." <laughs> so be like Cal, not like Jake, and uh, your life does not way. consist in your possessions. That is so good. Well, remember, um, apart from Jesus, it's all vanity. And, That's um, right. And uh, have a great week preaching. <laughs>Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside ready to rock and roll.